Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. Isham invites you to log on, listen, and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome, Isham Nation, to the Process This podcast. This is episode number 34. As always, we have a great show for you today. We are speaking to Damian Berg about quality management systems in sterile processing. As I mentioned in the last episode, Great Expectations is coming your way. The Isham 2021 Annual Conference and Expo is in October this year. Now, this year is unique in that there are two separate dates, or waves if you will. The first wave is October 9th through the 11th, and the conference is then repeated for a second wave, which will be held on October 12th through the 14th. Now, all you have to do is pick which wave you want to attend. But along with great expectations, expect education and expand your expertise. Career-long learning is the foundation of every successful sterile processing professional and every quality outcome. So start making your plans now and join me in Columbus. Like I said, this year's conference is in Columbus, Ohio. So let's gear up for Columbus and let's talk about some interesting facts about Columbus. Fact number one. Nearly half the residents of the United States lives within a 600-mile radius of Columbus. So that goes from Chi-Town, Chicago, to Philly, to New York. So that's quite a radius there. Fact number two. As of July 19th, 2019, Columbus is the 13th largest city in the United States. Now that's an interesting fact. I wouldn't have thought that about Columbus. Fact number three, Columbus is the capital of Ohio and the third most populous capital city in the United States. Fact number four, nicknames for Columbus. So there's the Discovery City, the Arch City, the Indie Art Capital, Cowtown. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with this one, because if you're from Texas and you're from Fort Worth, you know that Fort Worth, Texas is definitely Cowtown. Uh, let's see. Next is the biggest small town in America. And then last and probably the most recognizable today is Seabus, which is named after the Transit Authority. So Seabus. Fact number five. In Columbus, it is illegal to fish for whales on Sunday. So any other day of the week, if you want to go whaling, go for it. But if you want to go whaling on Sunday, too bad. It's illegal. It's out of the question. Well, there you go. Some fun facts about Seabus or Columbus. So tune in next episode and I'll have some more fun facts about Columbus, uh, your Isham Conference City. Again, that's Columbus, Ohio. Today, our guest speaker is being leveraged by OneSource Document Management Services, an RL Datix company. OneSource is a leading healthcare management solution that enables facilities to stay in compliance 24-7 through its robust online platform, equipped with the world's most up-to-date instructions for use and preventive maintenance service manuals. 
since 2009, OneSource has become a reliable resource for top healthcare organizations such as the Mayo Clinic, Sutter Health, ACA, Approve and Trusted by the Joint Commission, AMI, CMS, AAA, HC, OneSource's accurate and up-to-date database for surgical and equipment, biomed and dental specialties, improve patient safety, and reduces healthcare-acquired infections. For more information on OneSource, visit onesourcedocs.com. Again, that's onesourcedocs.com. Today, our guest speaker is Damian Berg. Now, Damian has over 28 years of experience serving in multiple health-related capacities, including roles such as emergency medical technician, combat medic, surgical technician, sports therapist, and sterile processing technician and manager. Damian is proud to have been elected as president of Isham in the 2018-2019 and proudly serves as chair of the Legislative Affairs Committee, representing several states in their efforts towards state certification programs. He is an AMI voting board member on ST79, ST91, and co-chair of TIR12 and past co-chair for both ST77 and ST86. He is also the U.S. expert for ISO delegation on Working Group 12. Thank you, Damien, for speaking with the Isham Nation today. Oh, you're welcome, John. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Well, great. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So, in general terms, what is a quality management system? That's a great question, John. And, you know, uh, when I was asked to do this presentation, uh, I was excited because uh, quality management systems, or QMS, uh, is something that's uh, near and dear to my heart. And uh, I've spoken around, uh, literally around the globe about this and to many of our Isham listeners uh, at different chapter conferences, at national conferences and at global conferences uh, about quality management systems. That's how important I feel it is. So being here today, speaking to uh, your listeners or our listeners uh, is, is amazing. So I think, you know, this, this uh, presentation will hopefully enlighten people on what quality management system is and that it's not scary. Uh, it's not something to be afraid of. Yeah. And most importantly, is you're probably already doing pieces and parts of it in your departments already that you just don't know. Um, but we're going to help put it together for you. And I'll, I'll kind of tell you some stories and some backgrounds of, of my travels and my um, experiences at different facilities I've seen. But overall, quality management system really helps implement and lock in procedures to standardize the processes in your department to recognize basically anything what they call in the, in the language non-conformities or non-conformance issues. So things that don't happen the way they're supposed to during the process of cleaning, inspecting and sterilizing instruments. That's really what it is. So you, we've got processes, we've got procedures, we've got policies that say this is how our daily operations should run. And we know our departments are very dynamic. Uh, they change daily, they change hourly. We get new equipment, we have errors sometimes, uh, we may not have all the right technology, and a quality management system helps those actually show, so the key is you don't make the same mistake over and over again. Everybody makes mistakes, things happen in departments, machines go down, IFUs get conflicted with uh, what we know versus what they say, but a true QMS system really just helps you identify those areas so you can help fix them or address them and help your staff work really the best that they can 
um, with what they have and you know how they operate. So that's that's really uh, the strength of a QMS system. If I was looking for a QMS system, what are the benefits of really having that program? Yeah, and again, it's it's one of those things where I think the benefits are is we all know our departments and our world is stretched thin. We're asked to do a lot of stuff, and and we continue to be asked to um, stretch. We continue asked to uh, interpret very tough IFUs as well as uh, figure out how you work your staffing model. The benefit of the QMS is it actually can help you uh, recognize the trends, take corrective actions to prevent um, those things that really bother you in your department. It really, really seeks to assure that your staff can operate as efficiently as possible without a lot of headaches and questions and what is this. You're giving your staff the tools to use critical thinking, which as we know, John, is not something that's easily taught, but a QMS really has that benefit in your department of showing things the way they should be. So it's not the standard way. I've always done it this way for many years. So I'm just going to continue doing it this way. Mm -hmm. QMS kind of elevates the knowledge base of the people. So again, our job really, and I've used this a multitude of times, is really we have three main, what I call missions or objectives of sterile process department is to ensure that the surgeon or the provider has the instrument or equipment that we process when they need it. That's number one. Number two, to ensure that that equipment or instrument is properly functioning and works. And number three, obviously near and dear to all our hearts, is that instrument or equipment needs to be clean, disinfected, and or sterilized. That's what a QMS system will help you really hone in and make sure those three things happen over and over for our customers and for our patients. And a funny side note, a, a lot of people go, well, Damien, that's kind of, that's good, but how can you put cleaning and sterilization last? Aren't you the sterile processing manager? And I'm like, well, true, uh, but if you have something clean and sterile, but yet you can't find it and you can't get it to the provider, it really doesn't matter if it's clean and sterile. And then I say, if you have something that's clean and sterile, but it doesn't work because you didn't assemble it right or it's broken or whatever happened, you didn't inspect it properly, well, then it doesn't matter if it's clean and sterile. So it's the, the, the triad right there that's so important of making sure they have, when they reach their hand out to that scrub tech, that that instrument's there, that the instrument's ready to go, it works, and an obviously clean and sterile. That's really what a good QMS system will help you do and hone in on one of, one of those areas if they're not going right. And we all know that. I kind of shared this with you, John, before we went live, but I'm in my office right now talking to you because my department's running very well. I'm in a busy operating room right now, but we set up a QMS system so that all those three things I said are happening right now behind the scenes, right behind my back, behind this door. If we didn't have a good QMS system in place and the staff trained to do these things, then I'd have knocks at my door, my phone would be ringing, and I'd be like, John, sorry, I got to take a phone call. Oh, I got to go to the OR and get chewed out because something happened wrong. That just doesn't happen very often. Um, so that's really what I say, one of the benefits of having a QMS system. Now that allows me as a leader to focus on taking care of my staff more. They're focused on taking care of the instruments and thus the patient. I am focused on taking care of them and a QMS system allows me to do that. So I'm putting out fires. Well, you mentioned before that, you know, we probably have some kind of elements or some QMS systems in our facility and we may not know it. So from your experience, what are some typical areas that you've seen a quality management applied? Oh, that is a great question as, as well, too, John. Uh, you're three for three. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, again, it's it's the scope of the size of your hospital, whether you're a surgery center, whether you're a large hospital, whether you have multiple facilities, 
But if you think about it, two basic ones that, that I'll talk about right off the bat is if you have an instrument tracking system. Now, not everybody does. But if you have an electronic instrument tracking system, and again, I'm not here to, to name names or brands or any of that stuff, but that right there is part of a QMS because you can actually then run reports on productivity. You can run reports on missing items. You can run reports on turn times. You can set up your turn list for the day. So you're not, you don't, you know what your turns are so that it's not just when someone calls you down, Hey, I need this back. And you didn't know this was coming. Quality management system is identifying again, non-conformities. You don't have enough instruments for the day, but your system is telling you that ahead of time. So you can staff, you can be prepared, you can communicate with the OR how long it's going to take to turn these items following the IFUs and your staffing model. So instrument tracking thing is a QMS tool that we already have. We don't think of it as that way. Mm. So that's just one of those really cool ones. And they all have their different features that get some really in-depth and some not. I would challenge um, all our listeners is if you have an instrument tracking system, reach out to that vendor and say, hey, how can I, you know, utilize this best for some quality management tools? And I'm sure we'll talk about later on in interviews, like, you know, reports and things like that. What, what can I do to help show my department where we're going? I mean, I literally print out and share data to not only my staff, but the OR staff and the risk management staff. And we'll talk about that later is that here's what we're doing. Here's how many trades we process. Here's how many errors we've had. Here's how many turns we've done. Here's how many loaners came in, how many loaners are late. All that's quality management because it helps me run my department, but it also paints the picture of how well my department does or areas in my department that I need to tighten up or maybe I need help with from my senior leaders. I need some financial support. I need some more equipment. I need some more instruments because I, I can show it. It's just not Damien saying it. I'm using the instrument tracking tool to show it, if that makes sense. The other one that's out there is again, and again, it, it could be electronic, it could be paper, but it's having access to the IFUs, the instructions for use, and also the national standards so and guidelines. Those are quality management systems. So again, it's not your staff reprocessing an instrument or a set or anything off of their, and again, I, I say this tongue in cheek, but off of their knowledge and experience. Of course, we value knowledge and experience. But we always have to say, all my years of experience is not about what Damien says, what Damien wants to do. It's about the instructions for use. So I have to have the ability to look those instructions up when there's questions or conflicts. I have to be able to resource them um, and reference them when a surveyor comes in and says, hey, how do you know that you're sonicking this thing properly? Well, here's the IFU right here. And whether I pull it up on an electronic database or I have a filing cabinet or however you do it, but that is a resource of a quality management system is to be able to access your IFUs and as well as your national standards, your AMI guidelines and standards, as well as, you know, um, ISHM and AORN and any of our educational teachings that are out there that help bolster our profession. These are what we use as areas that quality management system can be applied. If you were to walk into a facility for the first time that really didn't have some sort of identified quality management system in place, you know, you talked about some folks may have a tracking system, some folks may not, but are there any specific areas that really require a quality management system in sterile processing? Um, they all, I would say, you know, we've got three and sometimes depends on your department, four major areas of the sterile processing unit department. So obviously we have decontamination, we have instrument assembly and inspection, we have sterilization, and then we have uh, case carts if you do work in that kind of world. All those areas are unique in their own set. All of those are um, areas where I would say a quality management system 
easily can be put in place. You can also have a quality management system in your education arena, you know, so are your competencies, your annual training, your recertification CEs, all that fun stuff could also be a part of a, a QMS system. So really what I ask people to do is bucket down their um, department into those areas and then look at those areas of what you can tackle relatively quickly or what you need to. And I'll tell you right now that all those areas the three things that we want to make sure we're covering is something that relates to regulatory, quality, and um, production. So when I talk about regulatory quality and production, you know, if you don't have a quality management system, you don't have electronic tracking system, it may feel daunting, but literally you can tackle it small and work your way out. And I would look at two areas real quick right now that we know we need to is IUSS. Immediate use steam sterilization, I would say you need you can have a quality management system just for that alone. And really all that is is about tracking and trending what you're IUSSing, why you're IUSSing, and how often you're IUSSing and giving yourself a percentage and a rate. And then what more importantly, what are you doing to prevent it? So the you know, are you just sharing numbers or are you actually adding inventory or having conversations about surgery schedule? Those are the things the Joint Commission is going to want to see, and that's that's part of that really good quality management system. The other one is errors. So if you're having errors, whether it's a missing integrator, whether it's a, a holes in wrap, and the holes in wrap, I'll actually talk about that one because that's important. But whether you're having bio burden issues, which I've seen all those, you know, whatever errors that are we as sterile process people are making, that you just don't keep making the same error and error again. You actually put a program to look at it and go, okay. Do the staff have the training? Do they have the right tools to do the job? Is there barriers from preventing to doing the job? That's what a QMS system for errors will help you prevent and reduce those errors. Thus, you have happy OR staff, happy doctors and nurses. And then when you go ask for nice things and things you need, they're not going to, they're going to be like, yeah, this department rocks. So let's get them what they need to keep doing it versus, oh, you want, you know, a hundred thousand dollar widget. Well, you get complaints all the time. Why am I going to help you? So you're addressing some quality issues right there with the quality management system with AIRS and IUSS, with, and that's a regulatory. So any department, I said, those two areas right there, you start addressing those with setting up a QMS system or just working on uh, the quality management of those two areas will build your department immensely and help you get some of those steps to do better things. And again, when I talk about RAP, uh, holes in RAP, we all have experienced it, but I was able to then use a quality management system. And again, I'm, I'm using that word as it's like a big, nasty binder with a bunch of stuff in there <laughs> that, you know, you got to look at it. And, and there's people sitting around a conference room and there's there's whiteboards up and everybody's going crazy. No, it's basically, I just looked at the, the trends for the month. How many air, how many holes did I have? What were the trades? Did I see commonalities? Were they all from one vendor? Uh, so then I can start looking at that vendor's trades and go, oh, they got some crazy legs and feet. Can I get those into containers? You know, those are the kind of things that quality management, all it's saying is I have an issue or I have a nonconformity. I'm now going to look at it. And I recommend, depending on the severity, you know, weekly to monthly, and then start going, here's my trend. Here's the pattern. And it's always this one vendor's tray. It's always because they come in, uh, you know, late, we're rushed. They, you know, all the same stuff we all live with. But focusing on that, then I can get those. And guess what? Then at that point, I got bandwidth to do the other things I need to do. So can you talk about some of the key elements that make up a sustainable quality management system? Absolutely, I can. Quality management system really has seven critical steps or seven key elements. You have your inputs, you have your outputs, you have your critical business function, you have documents, you have and records, you have a communication plan, 
and you have monitoring. So these are the steps that really, when you are developing one, just write these down. And these are actually in, and, and they'll talk about later, but it actually is in um, Amy ST90, which we'll talk about later. Uh, and that gives you a blueprint of how to kind of develop that. But dig down real quickly on all those is your inputs are basically things that are impacting or influencing your department. So a good example is FDA regulations. Legal requirements are an input. You have to follow the IFUs. That's a legal requirement. Then another one is the user's manual, clinical information, industry influence, besides legal. Then you have best practices or standards. So your ANI standards, your ST79, ST91, how you reprocess flexible scopes, or any of those influence you, those are inputs. And then lastly is kind of like your safety concerns or your healthcare association. So your ISHMs, your SGNAs, your APICs, your AORN, your um, uh, Scrub Text Association, all those are inputs also as well because they all play an influence to what we do so when you're developing it you got to make sure that you're not going to develop something that's going to counter what any of those legal requirements best practices validated processes and safety concerns you can't you can't have a qms system without making sure you're addressing those or looking at them the next one is outputs so outputs is what you you do so do you have a standard process do you have sops do you have process controls? Do you have work steps? Do you have quality checks? Do you have consistent trays? One good example is I had a, a gentleman years ago uh, that was very creative. Uh, and his output was every time he built a certain tray, and I'll just use a general tray, for instance, because we're pretty much familiar with that. It's your standard, you know, your mayos, your metas, your needle holders, your atins, your cryos, all that fun stuff for general surgery. But he got kind of bored building them. So he would actually be very creative with his layout every single time. And it, it was a thing of art, but it was not useful to the end user. And the OR would call me up and go, what is going on down there? And I mean, he would like string all the instruments in different directions sometimes just to make it look differently. He would interlock the clamps sometimes. And this is, again, we, we know that's not right, but he would, he would do weird design stuff with the trade and stuff. So his output was not consistent with what we established and it also is nonconformity because, again, what I got is in complaint. So then I'm getting going up to the OR and going, Damien, what is going on with you? I mean, at one point, he even tip protected everything in the tray just because he was being funny, I think. But, I mean, he tip protected a knife handle. Uh, he tip protected an Atsin. So we had like 80 tip protectors in one tray. And I'm like, man, that's not that's an output. But that's not an output I need. Yeah. But, again, I was able to identify all these outputs and how they do it. Uh, the next one is the critical business function. And to me, I think this is one I really like, not because of business, but really it talks about why our department is so important to other ones. And again, we all know this. We know that everything we touch and everything we do touches some loved one. It, it impacts the patient care. You can have the best doctor in the world. You can have best OR staff, world-class facility, but if sterile processing department fails in doing what they do, then that outcome may not be the best. But our business function is making people sure people understand that. And we got to elevate our profession by elevating ourselves, by elevating our department, by letting know that we are the business function of an OR. We don't generate revenue, but we sure can spend a lot of money and we can hurt the reputation of a hospital. And I'll just give an example, not of an actual place, but everybody I think listening today will probably know of at least one hospital, surgery center, clinic, wherever it might be, that has a bad reputation for sterile processing. And if you go, well, and your loved ones or family goes, hey, I'm going to go have surgery down at Hospital X, and you go, ooh, I know their sterile processing department. I may not do that. 
that is a business function versus I have reps that tell me I will have surgery in your facility, Damien, because I see what your staff does and they are top notch. That speaks to our business that we know that that's what we do and that's how we elevate ourselves. And when reps and you know, they travel to a lot of places, say they'll have surgery in your facility because of what you, your department does, that's telling you your business um, function is good. Next, documents and procedures. Again, what are the requirement, required documents? Again, what are you following to make sure you have it? Don't just, we talked before, if you're going to say you're going to do something, you got to document it so that you have proof that these were sterilized properly. You have proof that your washers passed their daily tests. You have proof that your staff actually are trained on all that stuff. You've got to document all that fun stuff. And again, that kind of goes back into the quality records. Again, do you have inspection records, training records, employment applications? If, if you're interviewing people, all of this place, you've got to have everything. Preventive action forms. Do you take customer satisfaction? Do you actually ask the OR, fill out a survey for the OR to say, am I hitting the mark right now? Is everything going good? So, you know, so you can do that. That's another quality record. One of the ones that's near and dear to my heart is communication implementation. So I always love it when leaders, and including myself, management, uh, or consultants come in and they make these quality management changes. And they're like, okay, this is gonna be the new thing we're gonna do and we're gonna monitor this and we're gonna check and it's gonna improve everybody. But they don't communicate the why. And they don't say this is why and they don't follow through on it and they don't give the people really the buy-in. So people must be trained on these pr procedures. They must be trained on when things change or revise and they must be reviewed so that you can ensure that they're doing them properly um, that that's that's one of the big things is that and that brings me to monitoring because you got to monitor it and I'll use I've used this example many times is for those who've had kids tell your kids to clean the bedroom but you never go follow up and check if they clean their bedroom they'll do it once and then they'll learn that well dad's never going to come and check my bedroom so I don't need to do it so same thing with your staff you got to monitor to make sure they're doing it and once they see you monitoring it and checking on them and I'm not talking about standing there with a clipboard and a red marker but once they see you doing that then they're going to continue doing it. And then that's the, that's a secret sauce right there. So that's a fun little analogy. Um, I think that's, yeah, those are the key elements to me that make up a quality management system. Who should be involved or who are the stakeholders in a QMS system? This is very, it's variable a little bit, but honestly, I like to, I use a kind of lean thinking when I think about this on that. You need you need buy-in from leadership, your your leadership, your quality, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, your other areas of your hospital if you want to start one of these, but really it's your bottom-up approach. And again, I kind of hinted into it in the last uh, question is instead of the leaders pushing stuff down, the leaders are there to provide the tools and the resources and, and monitor and follow up, but it really the stakeholders are the staff. The stakeholders are the ones doing the work. They know what quality looks like. They may not know the QMS system or kind of the nuts and bolts about it, but engaging them on what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it, they will surprise you with some of the concepts they come up with. I mean, a, a great example in uh, one of my departments, we did um, case cart audits. So the return quality from the OR, you know, are the bio burden removed, uh, gross bio burden removed? Are the instruments open? Are they sprayed properly? Uh, no heavy stuff stacked on light stuff. Um, or delicate stuff. So we would actually fill out a form and, you know, track it and we'd email that form and all this other stuff. Well, one of my staff members says, well, you know, what? we all got cell phones or we have tablets in our department for some other stuff. Take a picture of it and attach that picture to the email with some stuff. And when you send it to the your counterpart in the OR, picture speaks a thousand words. It's so much more than just sending a spreadsheet of saying Dr. Smith's case had no spray on the instruments. 
or Dr. Smith's case had no spray and here's a picture of the no spray. Or more importantly is you got a really nice looking case card that's done perfectly. Take a picture of that and send that out and say, this is the way we do it. Or whoever, you know, Scrub Tech Jane is awesome. Look at the picture. That was came that came to me from my staff. So that again, it's that ground up approach. It's not me doing it. So the stakeholders really are the people doing the work. So can you uh, speak to some resources that can really help our listeners uh, establish a QMS system at their facility? Absolutely. So I've hinted on this before. I think easy resources for a lot of our listeners out there that have an instrument tracking system, start utilizing that. I think if you have any kind of um, other like IFU database or uh, standards of the electronic standards out there, the Amy, Amy standards of electronic or ISHM's uh, educational resources as well. All those are resources that I think will help you establish it because those are what those could be your inputs that I talked about on, a, on the critical steps. But most importantly, I think there's ST90, which is the Amy's document on quality management systems and sterile processing. It is a very, I don't want to say uh, a small document, but it's not in-depth. It's not like reading you know, stereo instructions. It's not like reading, you know, a crazy, you know, war and peace novel. It breaks it down to you to say, here's, if you want to start a QMS system or you want to identify areas in your department, you want to start it. Here's what you might need. Here's the areas you need to look at. Here's the, uh, some samples of, of different ways to go about it. So it's a great resource as well as again, the other areas that I mentioned. So you mentioned uh, samples. Are do you, are there sample forms available in those documents for folks to use? Um, there is some, I don't want to say sample forms, but there's some templates. And some, um, these are the areas you need to focus on or, or like, you know, look at this one, two, three, four. <laughs> there is a lot of different ones out there. Um, I am working um, diligently on a few side projects on this as well, too, because I think it would be valuable for, you know, our still processing people to have, for lack of a better word, plug and play type of templates out there. But as we know, our departments are so different. I mean, I have three hospitals that I, I directly manage. And when I travel to each one, I try to create a template for each one of them, but it's, it's really challenging. One thing that I did is I took the quality management system concepts that I've been talking about, and I put them into an electronic checklist. And that electronic checklist now is live in the cloud, and my staff could go on there and they can update it. So no matter where I'm at, um, I can see if they're doing their quality management checks during the day. Um, and again, I don't want to talk about a product or, or a company, but there are products and companies out there that will help you develop that kind of uh, checklist type of thing. So, and again, I'm, I love technology, getting things off of paper and out of binders. Yeah. So, um, you know, to our listeners out there, you know, after this, if you want to reach out to me and find out a little more, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to dig in on that with you. There are lots of numbers lots of different things that you look at in a quality management system. So do you have to be some sort of statistician really when you're developing and implementing a QMS system? No. And in fact, I think it's kind of the opposite way around. Uh, statisticians can really give you good numbers and look at stuff, but they're only as good as the data that you give them. So I think we are the experts in what we do. So whether you're looking at IUSS, whether you're looking at AIRS, whether you're looking at uh, did you complete your you know your uh, washer checks every day, did you do any kind of audits on your trays, those are all different things that you can provide numbers to and a statistician can show those numbers, but they don't mean anything unless you have details behind the data and what the data means. So no, you don't need to have a statistician, but you do need to be able to put the findings and the information you have into some type of report um, and some type of data so that you can share it with, I affectionately call them the bean counters, but the people who <laughs> make decisions for you. 
So is a is a healthcare uh, management system is it the same as the ones or the folks that in manufacturing are they are they the same type of management system? Yes and no. Um, so yeah, quality management systems have been around for a long time, and a lot of companies like John Deere and Toyota and even Amazon uh, they have quality management systems. I would say they they're the same because they have the same components of those steps that I talked about. They're universal, but healthcare and more importantly sterile processing is far vastly different. So they will look at their quality management systems a little bit differently and they can also in it's part of our work they can stop the line and you might have heard some of that before in, in some of the production i mean in the toyota system when they're doing their um uh, assembly line work or ford plant they're doing assembly line work they actually have quality management people that are watching and if they see a inferior quality products coming out they will literally there's a literally button they can hit or a cord they can pull that stops that production line until they can figure out what's going on so no more you know inferior products are produced well we in sterile processing don't have that opportunity yeah. patients are on the table they're getting scheduled there's the next day we can't necessarily stop what we're doing what we need to be is a little more fluid in how we do things now obviously if something's going to hurt a patient or potentially hurt a patient we need to stop that instantly but we can't just stop the whole department from running so it's the same concepts but they're applied differently john if that makes sense yeah absolutely how often should a quality manager produce a report and really who should receive copies of those? So that really just depends. I'll be honest with you. So what I do is I really, in the beginning, if I had, I structure mine off. Do we have issues? Do we have concerns? So one, one of the things that I did, and I, I should uh, trademark this, but I know it's not trademarkable, I don't think. <laughs> but when, hopefully this is the last sterile processing job for me, but I've been in a few through my 28 years. Um, the first thing I did is get to learn the staff, get to learn um, the OR, but I also want to learn the docs. And I, and I met with the surgeons and I said, you know, I'm the new guy. What's our issues? And I asked the staff, are there doctors that are having problems with sterile processing, whatever that real or perceived? And right off the bat, I developed something called docs to watch. So, and I would pick three to five docs that we've not been hitting the mark on. And I'm like, okay, those are the ones I'm going to focus on. So my five docs to watch this month are whatever docs, and I'm going to check with them on a daily basis. And then I'm going to give them a report on a weekly or monthly basis, depends on how severe the issues are, to say, hey, doc, before I got here, we, you guys were complaining about all, or when I got here, you guys were complaining about all these issues. I've been checking them. We've been monitoring. We tweak some stuff. Now look at this, doc. I can show you we've not, we've not had these. And they, they will confirm that with their experience and go, you know what? It's gotten better. Yeah, you're right. So those are the kind of reports that I'd like to share with your staff, with the docs to watch, and with your OR counterparts. I send I send to my clinical coordinators monthly the IUSS report, and here's the items where IUSSing, and here's my recommendations. I send them a monthly report on loaners. I mean, my facilities receive anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 loaners a month at each of my facilities. So if we get a lot of late loaners, why are we getting late loaners? So I show that data to them, and I share that with the vendors. I give them a kind of a scorecard. So that's what I use my quality management system. So depending on how the severe of the problem, weekly to probably monthly, and then an annual, obviously, summary um, for the big, big bosses. They Big bosses don't need weekly, monthly. They're not going <laughs> to read a lot of other stuff. But if you want to get yeah. change happening, weekly, monthly is what I recommend. And it doesn't take much time. It really doesn't, John. So last question, Damien. When is a QM program complete? Hmm. Never. <laughs> <laughs> That's a short answer. It is a constant journey. And kind of like you know, I just said in the last uh, uh, question, 
it, it tailors. There's ones that will always be there. Airs, to me, IUSS, because that's regulatory, and airs, we owe that to our patients, honestly, and to our staff. I think training and education will always be there. You've got to always kind of look at that stuff. But I adjust my QMS system to, or my QM system to what trends I'm seeing, what patterns. So, for instance, just recently, we do a lot of clinic sterilization. So we sterilize this lot of stuff for other clinics in our hospital area. Uh, wound clinic, for instance, I'll give that as a good example. Well, they were complaining that we were losing their instruments. I know that may sound very you know, new to a lot of you, but they were like, we gave you six curettes and I only got five back and we gave you this and all that. And I'm like, okay, let's dig into this. We checked their inventory. We're showing everything's good. Well, I then focused on, okay, you're going to fill out an inventory sheet accurately prior to bringing them. My staff's going to review that with you and then we'll do the same thing in reverse. Well, guess what? complaints went away because really they probably didn't know what they were sending us. And the, the impression or that was that we weren't sending stuff back, Well, we all know we don't want to keep the stuff, but they don't, they think they don't know our world. So I developed that. And then guess what? I moved on. So now I've got that problem fixed. We're monitoring it, but there's no problems. Now I'm going to wait for the next issue to pop up and I'll use that QM uh, system or that process to address the next issue that we hit. So it, it never stops. It just evolves. Great. Well, thank you, Damien, for sharing your knowledge and your experience with quality management systems with us today. You are welcome, John. And then to our Isham Nation, our Isham listeners, uh, I appreciate you. Uh, It's a journey. Uh, It's a passion for me to share. And I know it's a passion for you to take care of our patients and take care of our team. And a quality management system will hopefully be one more thing for you to use to do just that. Thank you, Damien, for speaking with us today. You've given us lots of good information on quality management systems. Isham Nation, episode 34, is in the books. Thanks for listening to the show. Hey, don't forget to take advantage of the Early Bird Conference special so you can join me in Columbus. Now, to receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, fill out all the required information, and select the code CBUS. Again, the code for this episode is CBUS. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode, always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. And as always, stay classy, Isham Nation, and we'll see you next time. Music